Hi, Austin. <laughs> Hi, Sophia. I like that you just did that with your hands, the clapping sound. That was great. <laughs> I realized as the countdown was going down to start recording, I was looking around and be like, oh, no, where's the clapper? And I'm like, <laughs> Every oh. time. It's right yeah. here, two feet away. <laughs> Classic. I love it. So here we are for the third week in a row recording on a Wednesday after our pledge to only record on a weekend. <laughs> Who are we? What is time? <laughs> We're trying. So it might be a shorter episode this week because we're kind of running low ideas in the think tank. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just this time of year. Like we have plans for like later on in the year because um, luckily like there's a bunch of like themes that we're really excited to talk about and like uh-huh. some really fun book club episodes that are coming your way. So keep an eye out for that because I have selected, I, I won't do any spoilers, but I have selected one of the most important books <laughs> of our generation <laughs> I won't deny that. (laughs) For Austin to read uh, for our book club episode this month. And that'll come out um, towards the end of February. So keep your eyes peeled. Good times (laughs) ahead. So we'll start off. What have you been reading this week? What have I been reading this week? Austin, this week I treated myself to reading um, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, And that's like basically a book revolving around the movie by the same name. Um, which is a Wes Anderson movie that I love. And oh, so the book's of... based off the film? No, there's there's actually uh, okay. a book. It's just a book about like the actual like filmmaking process and like kind of what inspired it. That's cool. Uh, yeah, it's been really awesome. I feel like because I go to like I'm in grad school for a completely different topic than our undergrad, it I haven't really had the chance to kind of keep up with like film um reading materials so it's really nice to kind of uh go through this book and like hear from like like set designers and cinematographers and costume designers and the director and like it's all these interviews and beautiful pictures so it's been great yeah what's your opinion on Wes Anderson films love them I am a total sucker I think like (laughs) I like the first one I watched was the Royal Tenenbaums and I don't know what it is and please like no one be offended. I just don't really like like Gwyneth Paltrow's acting. So <laughs> I I didn't watch it for a long time. Um, I'm sure she's lovely. I don't really know much about her, but I, I don't know what it is. I just, I can't really sit through her stuff, but. From what I've seen, a lot of people don't like Gwyneth Paltrow. I feel bad for her. Like what, like why, <laughs> I don't know why people don't like her, but like her acting to me is just not for me. Um, it, I'm sure it's great in some circles. I don't know. But I avoided that movie for a long time because of that. Uh, And then when I finally watched it, I was totally in love. Like, I loved the color schemes. I loved the costumes. I love the soundtrack. So The Grand Uh Budapest is probably my favorite because it has Saoirse Ronan, who's amazing. Uh, So this book was a real treat. I haven't seen that one, actually. I've seen a couple of us Anderson's films, but... Do you like him? It's kind of give or take for me. I like the Royal Tenenbaums. I liked Isle of Dogs, but... Oh, me too. Isle of Dogs was so good. <laughs> I feel like um, the Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of those kids movies. Oh, yeah. I like that right? one, too. I've about that one. Yeah. It's one of those kids movies that, like, I can watch with my brother and, like, really enjoy. Um, so, yeah. I like that. I think, like, Moonrise Kingdom was okay. Not my favorite, personally. Yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of Life Aquatic. I don't think I've seen that one. You know what it is, too? I don't really like Bill Murray. Oh. <laughs> don't, don't. He don't... has headphones on. You're lucky. Oh, my gosh. 
not okay. I said that. Hopefully, <laughs> he doesn't listen to this episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> I try so hard. Maddie to like too, him. actually. Okay, nobody judge me. Uh, when I feel extra bad, they're like the two coolest sisters <laughs> on the planet. But like, I try so hard to like Bill Murray. I don't know what it is. And like another movie that I've been avoiding for years that I really want to see. I love the director. The live action Garfield. Definitely. That's definitely what I was going to say. A Tale of Two Kitties. Oh my God. No, I'm lost in translation. I love. I haven't seen that one, but really? that's what I've been criticized by Kate and Maddie for, for not seeing. I love Sophia Coppola. Like, I love her movies, like Marie Antoinette, like The Virgin Suicides, everything like that. I'm in love with her. And I haven't seen Lost in Translation, which I feel like is one of her most famous movies that she's known for. And I also haven't seen On the Rocks because I was going to, but then COVID. Um, so maybe I'll rent it or something, but. I think it'd be hard to see a Bill Murray in like a serious role, especially. Yeah. Obviously Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Super weird. I'm not really a big fan of her either. So like maybe that's another reason I'm avoiding. I don't know. Uh, again, I'm sure they're all lovely people. So sorry. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just haven't gotten around to it. Maybe I should. You're not a fan of Scarlett Johansson, the world's highest billed Japanese actor. Oh God, that's that's one of the reasons where I'm like, you have so much money, you don't need this role. Why? And like, you shouldn't have it anyway. But like, that's another thing where I'm like, you shouldn't do that. And you should kind of know why you shouldn't be doing it. And it's not even out of a like, you need money. It's just wrong. But okay. Maybe yeah. we should expand our uh, podcast and do like a Hollywood celebrity gossip podcast. <laughs> Welcome to our opening segment. We talk about a lot of things. Um, yeah. Anyway, back on topic. Austin, what were you reading this week? So I've been reading our book club book, which you assigned to me, which I won't give away for a couple of weeks. But Would we were talking that? at length about that beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that it's left you sparkling? Would you say that it's fantastic? <laughs> Sorry. You gotta save the puns for the episode for that week. I feel like I just gave it away, but this is good. This is like keeps the audience wanting more. I don't know. Other than that, I've been trying to finish the a series I've been reading, the Rome one. Oh yeah. Because the book's so long, I keep getting distracted reading other books in between and then going back and then yeah. Stopping reading a different book and going back again, especially for the podcast too, because I want to try and read yeah. things to talk about more on this. So I'm hoping to finish that one this week. That's so exciting. Like, how is that going? What book are you on again? I think six out of seven. So you're almost near the end. Uh-huh. And I was telling you, I just finished the part where Caesar died, which totally <laughs> blindsided me. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> when you sent that text, I was like... <laughs> I, I laughed so hard, and I was like, this is the best text I've received. Um, Kate and I went for a walk, and I'm like, oh, I'm sad. Like, Why are you sad? I'm like, because Caesar just died. Oh, my God. And we walked up past where the old Indigo is on King Street in oh, Waterloo. Yeah. I went, oh, I'm sad again. And she goes, why? And I was like, because the Indigo is closed. And also, that reminds me of my book where Caesar just died. Ah, uh, yes, the parallels between closing storefronts and Caesar being murdered. <laughs> I see it. Okay, so we don't really have a single topic for this week. We just kind of do like a variety hour. Yeah, pumped. So each of us found a couple of articles about books releasing this year and books that have released so far this year. Yep. 
So we can start off. This one's from CBC. Okay. The best-selling Canadian books for the week of January 24th to 30th. Woo! Which it seems like this is a weekly thing. So we oh, probably okay. should have been keeping this. But this can be a regular thing from now on. Let me just kind of do a quick overview. Okay. Well, there's not really any descriptions about any of them. But the list of the top ten. The first one is The Push by Ashley Audrain. Audrain? Hmm. Never heard of her. I'm not sure if you would have read any of these. Okay, there's... Oh no! <laughs> oh no! How to pronounce? How to pronounce knife by oh Suvankam Tom Tamavangsa? Okay. Sorry if I butchered that, everyone. Austin, this was written by a prof from our alma mater. Really? Yes, she teaches huh. at Mary Brantford, and she won. I think she won. She won some prize. Let me see. Um. I'm looking it up because I have to know. But have you heard much yeah. about this book? That I have. About? I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen this book a lot, um, but I I don't actually know what it is. So let's see here. She won the 2020 Scotiabank Giller Prize. Yeah. So that's amazing. That's a really big prize in like Canadian publishing circles. And like in town, we have um, an annual writers festival where we kind of bring writers from all across Canada and they come and they do workshops and they talk about their work um, with people, which is amazing. Uh, It's called the Wild Writers Festival. And so they talk about the Giller Prize there a lot. And it was really interesting because we actually had people from publishing houses come in and talk to us about how works get selected and how like the process goes. It's fascinating um but yeah it's great this book won and the the author is an instructor at laurier brantford which is phenomenal local okay, since you're familiar with it can you tell me how to pronounce her name i do not know how to pronounce her name. <laughs> okay i just read it um and this is the problem no i like i've seen it i have like read that she's been up for the award i wasn't sure if she won it so i wanted to check before i said that but um, I've seen it all over Bookstagram, which is really great because I feel like sometimes like Canadian lit like is not like as the kids say lit. Like it's <laughs> sometimes it can I was be gonna weird. say I have a little uh little side thing on the <laughs> Bookstagram page. Every time a page follows me that's like lit emporium or something, yeah, I'm like, is this a book page or is this like a rave page? <laughs> can it be both? I mean, look. <laughs> Why why define ourselves by one lit? Um, Reading's always a rave here, bright young things. Yes, uh, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> um, what was I saying? But yeah, so anyway, um, it's been really great to see that because I feel like there are a lot of really good Canadian writers, but like oftentimes the ones we celebrate are very serious. Like it's it's like literary and like it's very like sometimes it's a lot about landscape and like that's it's that's not to say that's not important and that we don't love that but it is nice to see like books kind of in the popular mainstream by Canadian authors so like like Emily St. Mandel she did um The Glass Hotel and Station Eleven and those are like popular books that are like not easy reads but like more accessible I think Uh compared to like stuff by like Alice Monroe, who's like a lot of like short stories, amazing, but like maybe not appealing to everyone. And like everyone knows Margaret Atwood. Um, and, oh yeah, yeah. Um, and Kelly Armstrong, who we talked about last week. But it's nice to see that. I how know Kelly that... Armstrong was Canadian. Heck yeah, she is Austin. You probably told me that in the episode we talked about it too, and I just pr- totally forgot. 
it's COVID break. No judgment. Oh, and I found out <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay Sands is Canadian and she's like a really like cool romance author. If anyone's looking for watch out, there's a little bit of steam, but like romance. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a lot of like Highland romance. And I, I think she does like something with vampires too, but I haven't read that. Um, and also one of the books that I got from NetGalley um, is also by a Canadian author. Um, and that one is called, um, oh my gosh, The Knockout Rule. And it's by Kelly Siskins, I think. Just looking up how to pronounce. Yeah. The Knockout Rule by Kelly Siskind. Sorry. So that was also a Canadian author. So, I mean, like, I think it's really cool. And I like the idea of going through this list because it's super nice to, like, hear about, like, authors from around the world. But there is something to say about, like, uh-huh. homegrown talent and, like, supporting that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry for that. Next one is (laughs) next one is Johnny Appleseed by Joshua Whitehead. Not sure if you've heard of him. I've heard the title, um, and I'm wondering if maybe it was featured on my library's homepage, but I don't know. That one is. I'm trying to find a synopsis. Hmm. You're gonna need a rock and a whole lot of medicine. Is a mantra that Johnny Appleseed, a young two spirit slash indigenous queer, repeats to himself in this vivid and utterly compelling novel. Oh, so that's cool. It's a yeah. Native American representation. Doesn't say if the author is Native American, but I'm assuming so, hoping so. See, so yeah, that one seems interesting too. Yeah. A lot of these seem like dramas, I guess. Oh, mm-hmm. Maybe contemporary. I don't know. Ah. Uh-huh. The one after that is Butter Honey Pig Bread by Francesca. Ekwuyazi. I'm butchering all these names today. <laughs> so have you heard of that or the author? No. Uh, the author's do- no- debut novel tells the interwoven stories of twin sisters. Maybe I'm going to try to pronounce those ones. Okay. But it's a more Native American representation, which is always good. Feels she was born in Ogbanji, a spirit that plagues families with more misfortune by dying in childhood that causes mother misery. She believes that she has made the unnatural choice of staying alive to love her human family and now lives in fear of the consequences of that decision. So that one seems interesting too. That seems kind of like kind of folklore, I guess. Or... Yeah. So the next one is Hench by Natalie Zena Walsh Gotts. Yay, nay. Heard of I've never heard it either. <laughs> we got to get more into Canadian literature. Yeah, clearly. So the synopsis for that one is, Anna does boring things for terrible people because even <laughs> criminals need office help and she needs a job. Working for a monster lurking beneath the surface of the world isn't glamorous. But is it really worse than working for an oil conglomerate or an insurance company in this economy? <laughs> That's dark. Uh, that sounds pretty <laughs> revel- relevant today to today's times. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I just scraped my uh, headphones on my microphone. Probably hear that after. This is what I've seen in bookstores: The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. That's who I was talking about before. I forgot the St. John. Sorry, I think I just called her St. Mandel. Yeah, I'm on the wait list for this one, and I'm super pumped because Station Eleven like blew my mind. I knew, I know it wasn't for everyone, but like I really enjoyed it, and I think. I listened to it as an audiobook instead of just reading it. So I wonder if that kind of played a part in it. But I like 
was mind blown and I really appreciated it. So looking forward to this one. Mm. So the next one is Our Darkest Night by Jennifer Robson. No. Uh, title sounds intriguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, novel of Italy in the Second World War. Okay, so historical yeah. fiction. You know how much I like my historical fictions. I do. It is the autumn of 1943, and life is becoming increasingly perilous for Italian Jews like the Mazen family. With Nazi Germany now occupying most of her beloved homeland, and the threat of imprisonment and deportation growing ever more certain, Antonina Mazen has but one hope to survive, to leave Venice and her beloved parents and hide in the countryside with a man she has only just met. Sounds pretty intriguing. Yeah, it does. The cover makes it look like a historical romance almost. Ooh, that's it's my jam. It's a couple embracing in a moonlit farmland with bombers flying in the background. Promising, promising. <laughs> so this next one is another author I didn't know was Canadian. Okay. Homebody by Rupi Kaur. Is that it? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I read that one. Highly recommend. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, Bright Young Things Pod. Um, I did a post of that cover so you can see what it looks like, but it's awesome. I think this is like her third collection that she's released as a book. Um, and my, my partner's mom gave it to me for Christmas and I really, really love it. So highly recommend, um, just a trigger warning. It does cover like some topics, um, relating to like abuse and like some violence. So kind of watch yourself if you're you know, just make sure that you're in a mental place for that, but super beautiful and moving stuff. I was going to say that author is the the one author whose books you can find in every white girl's bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's really great. And like, um, she <laughs> went to the University of Waterloo, actually. So it's kind of cool. Oh, that's cool. You know, local talent. I think she's from <laughs> Brantford or Brampton, maybe. Not sure. I always Don't get those two mixed up. I know. Don't quote me. I don't know. But <laughs> she is from Ontario. So the next one is Indians on Vacation by Thomas King. I just read that one too. Oh yeah, how was it? Super good. I love Thomas King. Um, He's actually like, he's an indigenous and Greek and American and Canadian author. <laughs> uh, so great for like fellow mixed kids to see that representation mm. um, and indigenous reads as well. But he is actually um, pretty close to us as well, Austin. He is an instructor at the University of Guelph and sure. amazing guy, um, super good writer. And I highly recommend the book as well. What a small world it is when every famous Canadian comes from Southern Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> Where 85% of the population of Canada lives. Hey, Celine Dion is from Montreal, so, or <laughs> Quebec at least. <laughs> uh. Okay, the last one on the... Sorry. Oh, Ryan Ryan Reynolds, of course. He's from the West Coast, not Ontario. I was thinking West Coast, like Thunder Bay, maybe. (laughs) Somewhere, like, maybe Cleo's listening to this and she's like, oh, you Ontario people. (laughs) (laughs) Big city Ontario. (laughs) Hardly big city when, like, every city has the same plaza, but... um... <laughs> it's so funny seeing like other countries talk about people from Canada and they're from like they narrate it as oh yeah I'm just from Western Canada like, <laughs> as if like Canada's like, like one big <laughs> some prairie wasteland with like tumbleweed <laughs> like, blowing down the side <laughs> <It's> like... 
Oh man, good time. Okay, the last one on the fiction list is The Midnight Bargain by C.L. Polk. Hmm. Beatrice is a sorceress who practices her magic in secret. Terrified of the day, she will marry and be locked into a, into a collar that will cut off her magic to protect her unborn children. What? She dreams of becoming a full-fledged magus. 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 Permitted to pursue magic as her calling, just as men do. But her family has traveled to the city for bargaining season when young men and women of means socialize and negotiate to secure the best marriages. Beatrice's family is in severe debt and she is expected to make an advantageous match. That seems like a little bit of a gender commentary, a little bit of a class commentary. Sounds a little like handmaids, but like make it fantasy. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know. I've seen a lot of stuff like that lately. Interesting. So yeah, that's the top 10 selling books for last week in Canada. Yeah. It doesn't say, I'm guessing it's best selling in Canada. It doesn't say in other countries. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, CBC is like the Canadian Broadcasting uh-huh. Corporation. I, I feel like we should have said that at the top. I don't know if other people are as <laughs> familiar with it as we are. Um, yeah. So also for this week, we both found Oprah's 50, 55 most anticipated books of 2021. Yeah, we probably won't read all 55 to you because I'm sure you'll <laughs> want to look at the list yourselves. But I'm sure this is much more of a list for you to be interested in because I don't really keep up with more current releases. But oh. maybe with the podcasting, just try to get into more really, more recent stuff. So you picked out a couple, right, that you that you're interested in. Do you want to go through those maybe? And... Sure. My list is much shorter than yours. So I'm going to like whip through it pretty fast. Um, but I Are just... these ones you've read so far or ones you know to be read? To okay. be read for the most part. Oh yeah, because they're not released yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think one of you might be already released, but this is like all stuff that's coming out in 2021 that I found interesting. Yeah, this is a, this episode we probably should have done in the first week of January. <laughs> Look, we're here. <laughs> We're living our best lives. Everyone knows that like <laughs> resolutions made in January don't stick. So you make them in February. That's our rule here at the podcast. Try it. It might work for you. Um, so I rounded up a few. And I think it's actually good that we waited because like I found that Goodreads released a list and I was kind of checking Bookstagram as well and, you know, kind of participating on NetGalley more. So those are like ones that are going to be released soon. So I kind of did like a little gathering um, and like the first one I found from Oprah's list um, and it is called While Justice Sleeps and guess who it's by? Do tell. Stacey Abrams. Um, Very prominent in American politics right now. She's done so much work and like I think she's responsible for like the results in Georgia, which were amazing and so important. Um, So yeah hugely celebrated author and sorry hugely celebrated politician who I didn't know was an author that's what I meant to say um so I'll read you the summary because it's really cool and it says from celebrated national leader and best-selling author Stacey Abrams while justice sleeps is a gripping complexly plotted thriller set within the halls of the U.S. Supreme Court so it's pretty good hype Austin I'm into it (laughs) Um, And it's basically uh, Avery Keene, a brilliant young law clerk from the legendary Justice Howard Wynn, is doing her best to hold her life together, excelling in an arduous job with the court while also dealing with a troubled family. 
When the shocking news breaks that Justice Wynn, the cantankerous swing vote on many current high-profile cases, has slipped into a coma, Avery's life turns upside down. She is immediately notified that Justice Wynn has left instructions for her to serve as his legal guardian and power of attorney. Plunged into an explosive role she never anticipated, Avery finds that Justice Wynne had been secretly researching one of the most controversial cases before the court, a proposed merger between an American biotech company and an Indian genetics firm, which promises to unleash breathtaking results in the medical field. She also discovers that Wynne suspected a dangerously related conspiracy that infiltrates the highest power corridors of Washington. As political wrangling ensues in Washington to potentially replace the ailing judge whose life and survival Avery controls, she begins to unravel a carefully constructed chess-like sequence of clues left behind by Wynne. She comes to see that Wynne had a much more personal stake in the controversial case and realizes his complex puzzle will lead her directly into harm's way in order to find the truth. It sounds that seems interesting. Cool. I, I do like a political thriller, and that's what it sounds like. But yeah. I think so too, and I, I think feel like really... that could be. Sorry, you go. <laughs> too excited. <laughs> I feel like that could be a really dense one, though. If yeah. she's like an established politician and lawyer herself, then yeah, I think there'd be a lot of technical jargon and in know. depth. Like, I've like watched her speak a couple times, and she's been very like like accessible. Like she's so intelligent, um, but she like really makes it easy for like I think everyday folks to kind of take that in. So. Okay. I don't know. I, I think because of her like experience, you're right. Like I think that would make it kind of more juicy because I'm sure she sees stuff all the time where she's like, "Oh, if you only knew!" <laughs> like, so I think reading this would be fun. And like, I, I always find it fascinating when like people who like are in these positions write. I don't know what it is. I'm like, yeah, tell me like the fun stuff. Like, let's go. <laughs> um. Yeah. And another one from um, Oprah's list was uh, Clara and the Sun. And that's the latest by Kazuo Ishiguro. Oh, forgive that pronunciation, but you know who I mean. Uh, He's the author of Never Let Me Go, which is one of the greatest. uh, Well, it was one of my favorite movies for a very long time. Um, That's the one with uh, Keira Knightley, right? And Carrie Mulligan. And it's so good. So I read the book that it was based off of and fell in love with that too. So I'm excited to read this one. And I guess it's his first publication since he won the Nobel Prize in Literature. Um, So then this summary says, it's a thrilling feat of world building and a heartbreaking novel of tenderness and humanity. It gives us an unexpected glimpse into the modern world through the eyes of an unforgettable narrator and explores the fundamental question, what does it mean to love? Don't even know what it's about from that. Still excited to read it, honestly. They hit all the buzzwords for a good synopsis. synopsis. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you were watching a movie trailer and it didn't give a single thing away, that's what this synopsis would be. Unexpected, unforgettable. (laughs) And then it's just like that like crazy sound, like zoom. Like remember when that would come on? Like, (laughs) Coming to (laughs) (laughs) this is turning into an ASMR podcast. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'm gonna do my next one. Okay, the next one is a new one from Jane Harper. This is also a thriller. Uh, It's called The Survivors, and I read The Dry by Jane Harper, which is um, basically like um like a thriller set in Australia during like some wildfires. And it was so cool. 
Um, so then this one is the latest by her, I think. So it just says, oops, so sorry. It just says, don't you love when you get an email at like the worst time? <laughs> Who left that on? So sorry. Um, I thought you were reading the synopsis already. <laughs> 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 I was trying to delicate, delicately and elegantly acknowledge that I just forgot to turn on my do not disturb before recording. It was that was so elegant that I didn't realize you were talking about that. So there you go. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> this one says, coming home dredges up buried secrets. Kieran Elliott's life changed forever on the day a reckless mistake led to devastating consequences. The guilt that still haunts him resurfaces during a visit with his young family to the small coastal community he once called home. Dun dun dun! Can't you see like the Netflix trailer already? I feel like they're gonna pick this up. Uh, Kieran's parents are still struggling in a town where fortunes are forged by the sea. Between them all is his absent brother Finn. When a body is discovered on the beach, long-held secrets threaten to emerge. A sunken wreck, a missing girl, and questions that have never washed away. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be good. You should read the audiobook of that one. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I should listen to it or I should narrate it? You should narrate it. I should listen to it. <laughs> Mortifying. I can't even listen to episodes of this podcast. I just have to trust that you're not going to let me say anything <laughs> stupid and like put it out into the every world. every time i edit i have to wipe, wipe away a single tear every time i hear myself talk <laughs> i'm deceased oh my <laughs> god oh my god okay uh let's see here austin oh my next one is act your age eve brown and this is by talia hibbert who is phenomenal super good like contemporary romance um author and when we were doing our yearly wrap up, I actually said one of her books, um, "Take a Hint." Danny Brown was one, like my one of my top. Oh, yeah, I remember you talking about that. So good. So this is the third one in the trilogy that's about the youngest Brown sister, uh, Eve, and it's basically like her trying to break into the hospitality industry, and obviously things get romantic along the way. Um, and I'm just like here for it. I'm ready for that to come out. <laughs> I want to like pre-order that because I know I'm going to love it. Um, yeah. Do you often pre-order books that are yet to come out? Only like on like, I would say like special occasions. Like if it's something like really, really like that, I'm like, okay, like let me get my hands on it. So obviously Midnight Sun was. I was going to say on this topic, totally out of the blue, no reason, but for the Twilight wait. sequels, did you by <laughs> chance pre-order those ones? I didn't, but I was in the store when Breaking Dawn, I think, came out. Hold on, let me see. Breaking Dawn release date. What year was that? Book release. Do, 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 do. No, I wasn't then. I guess they were all out. Um, for some reason, I remember that, but maybe I'm just thinking with the movie. But I did pre-order Midnight Sun so fast. Like, as soon as the announcement was out, I was like, okay, Indigo, add to cart. Did that come out this year or late last year? 2020 summer i think it was august okay not that i know that off the top of my head or anything you don't know the exact date and time <laughs> it was august 5th at 2 52 a.m when the package was shipped i wish that they were that like clear on like when packages are coming um but yeah this is the world we live in there are more important things than my book deliveries <laughs> shocking not very many but just a few <laughs> <laughs> yeah Okay, um, I have like a couple more. Um, 
sorry, I'm like, I don't want this book to go on forever because I don't know how thrilling it is to listen to us talk about like new releases <laughs> from like, from me. Austin's are interesting. Mine are like medium. Um, I haven't even named any new, new releases yet. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, you go, you go. <laughs> I don't even have any because I don't, I don't keep up with like, all the authors I like are dead. Okay. So that's one <laughs> obstacle. <laughs> That was like so emo 2011 of you. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I'll there do. Were a couple I was looking through the list that looked interesting though. This one. Okay. A swim in a pond in the rain, in which four Russians give a masterclass on writing, re- reading, and life by George Saunders. So that one just off the title alone seems interesting. That does seem interesting. Exhilarating and erudite work of nonfiction by the Booker Prize-winning author of Lincoln and the Bardo and 10th of December. Um, one of the greatest short story writers of our time draws on his own love of Chekhov, Turgenev, Tolstoy, and Gogol. Interesting. I butchered those names, too. <laughs> Sorry, everyone, again. And on his joy in teaching them to his MFA students at Syracuse. Yes. <laughs> It's a long week. Syracuse University. The result is a worship song. (laughs) Please say that five times fast. Syracuse. (laughs) That can be my birthday present, you doing that as a tongue twister. (laughs) You know what that reminds me of when we did that murder mystery thing at your place? Oh my god. The entire time was a gesture going, Syracuse, every two seconds. Every two seconds. Yeah. That was like, that was a time. I I checked it off my bucket list, though. That was one of the 30 things I wanted to do before 30, host a murder mystery party. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. The only thing that kind of sucked is that you can't do that again, because you know it's the same story each time. I know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. New Sorry, new business idea. We create a network where someone buys a murder mystery box and then when you're done with it you just trade it down the line and that's more sustainable good idea i like it thinking always thinking keep your eye out 2022 that will be our business model (laughs) didn't like one of the character pamphlets or the one we did like blow off your porch (laughs) (laughs) so we have like this like deck that faces onto um a trail and then my youngest brother was a baby at the time, so I felt so bad. Everyone had to, like, sit out on this deck in, like, freezing <laughs> winds. Everyone was so nice about it, and I felt awful. Because like, it was supposed to be a summery day. It was, like, August. It didn't make any sense, but it was so cold. And so everyone was just snuggled up in blankets on this deck. And then all of a sudden, like, we're wrapping up the game, and one of the character pamphlets, just, like, a gust of wind just came for it. And, like, it got thrust down this, like, ravine, <laughs> and it was gone forever, so... Yeah, that was like one of the key character cards too, where it's like, <laughs> you can't do the game without following the instructions of it. Oh my god, what a mess. <laughs> uh. Okay, what else was... Oh, there was this one I noticed. This is one that I think Kate's on for really, because she's a real big fan of, uh, like, Irish literature. I was going to say Italian, and I'm looking <laughs> at the word Irish. So this one's called That Old Country Music by Kevin Barry. Okay. And that says the lauded author of Nightboat to Tangier dazzles us in an exquisite new collection set amidst the crags and fields of rural Ireland. Mm. I can't talk today. It's okay. It's a Wednesday. Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Syracuse in Ireland. The struggles of the working class, second chances in love, miracles arriving on cue. All are fiercely imagined here leaping off the page. 
they hit another buzzword there, leaping off the page. <laughs> so yeah, that one that one seems interesting. Totally. Yeah, that does seem cool. Were there any other ones that stood out to you? I have a few more from the Goodreads one. Um, <clears throat> another one I'm actually really excited about is uh, Life's Too Short, which is by Abby Jimenez. And um, that is the third book in the Friend Zone series. And it's like a romance, but it's it's really, really cool. And this is basically like one, like a character um, like leaves. Well, okay. So it's about a character named Vanessa. Sorry, I can't talk either apparently. <laughs> uh, is suddenly left with custody of her niece. And she's like kind of in charge of you know, figuring out what happened and like how to raise this baby now. And uh, there is an attractive lawyer next door. So just saying stuff could happen. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and that one seems really good. She's a really good writer as well. I really liked the friend zone and the happy ever happily. Wait, I think it's the happy ever after playlist. Um, so those were really good books. And I have like three more. I don't know how far we're going into this. But... <laughs> I was just looking at the featured lists on Goodreads. Yeah. And those like the most unhelpful lists ever. Or, yeah, most unhelpful lists. Like best books ever, 54,000 books. Like who is who is scrolling? Uh, well, you know books what? That... Maybe it is. Sorry. Books everyone should read at least once. 23,000 books. Like, okay. Like, maybe it's, like, a mindless scrolling thing. Maybe it's, like, a meditative thing where you're, like, just give me something. <laughs> Ooh, um, what were we going to say before? The next... No, that was what I was going to say. was oh. important. I was just excited to tell you. <laughs> um, the next uh, book in the You series that the Netflix series is based off is coming out. And there is a librarian as a character in it. I am... <laughs> Pumped, pumped, pumped. Sophia just did a little dance. She's still doing a little dance. Representation. I'm doing like a weird mishmash of like yeah, tweens yeah, yeah, dance. Yeah. And then like a Jersey Shore pump <laughs> of two hands. I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm very excited about that. Um, excited to see. I'm sure that the the librarian is going to like teach him a thing or two. And then he's going to go to jail. I feel like that's the perfect ending. Is this, Everybody this is the last knows. one in the series? It does not say that it's the last one. But I'm assuming he can't outsmart the librarian. Hello. Like, <laughs> she's going to be great. So I'm excited for that. Okay, so if he does outsmart the librarian, is that it for you in the series? Are you giving up on it? Yeah, that's not realistic. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way that a killer could outsmart a librarian. If a librarian can't beat a killer, then nobody can? If a killer walks into a library, like... It sounds like a setup for a joke. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited for that one, and I'm excited for um, Dial A for Aunties, and that is by Jesse Q. Sutanto. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Are you sure that's not A for Aunties? <laughs> maybe. Uh, but a hilariously quirky novel that is equal parts murder mystery, rom-com, and a celebration of mothers and daughters, as well as a deep dive into Chinese Indonesian culture by debut huh. author. So it sounds that really interesting. Fun. Yeah, it sounds really fun. And I saw it on NetGalley too, but I, I didn't request it because I have way too many out right now. Um, but when it comes out, I might pick up a copy. A and... funny murder mystery sounds like it could be interesting to read. Fun. Yeah, I love like funny murder mysteries. And I love like 
the whole cozy mystery genre. Maybe we can talk about that on a different episode, but I'm into it. It's like relaxing. It feels like, do you remember the show like Midsummer Murders? CBC would air like reruns. Like no. a little British like murder mystery. You go to a town for an hour and you see like what happened and how someone it's cute. It's fine. Mm. Um, yeah. Another one I'm excited about that our dear friend Cleo told me about is called The Wife Upstairs by Rachel Hawkins. And it is, um, guess, an adaptation of Jane Eyre set in a modern time. Pumped, pumped, pumped. <laughs> Doing a little um, dance again. <laughs> <laughs> just so much good content. So much good content <laughs> coming out this year. I don't know what to say. I've heard it's amazing. I've been seeing it on like Bookstagram for weeks. I don't know when it came out, actually, but it's supposed to be amazing. Um, and like, I, I feel like any kind of classic set in a modern day, like I'm willing to give it a go. Um, Because there's also another one that didn't come out this year, but it's an adaptation of um, Rebecca uh, called The Winters. And I want to read that one as well, because I think that's like that book that's originally set in like, I think the 30s or 40s in the present day. And I'm into it. I like seeing the interpretations. I think it's creative. Mm. Uh, So, yeah. I was going through another list of uh, books releasing. There's How to Avoid a Climate Disaster by Bill Gates. (laughs) <laughs> that sounds amazing and super important i just don't know if my brain has the bandwidth right now <laughs> to think about one more disaster oh, austin i do want to read the moment of lift by melinda gates though that's on my hold list right now i mean i need to get to that oh there's a uh, star wars the high republic light of the jedi <laughs> i don't know i feel like i always get so excited and then when i read those books i'm like kind of disappointed yeah, I was in a, I had a Star Wars phase like two months ago where I was watching all the movies on Disney Plus and Love it. I was like, oh, I'm going to check out some of the books on, or on Overdrive and they weren't that great. So I'm out of my Star Wars phase again. <laughs> I'm only here for the Queen Amidala content. I don't care <laughs> what that says about me. Um, I just love her so much. I, I love Natalie Portman in general, so <laughs> I'm here for anything she does. There's one, A Bright Ray of Darkness by Ethan Hawke. He writes? I think this is his first novel. Oh, wow. Okay. A blistering story of a young man making his Broadway debut in Henry IV just as his marriage implodes. Hmm. Interesting. That sounds like it could be partly autobiographical. Maybe. I don't know much about Ethan Hawke's life, but... I don't know. He... Does he or does he not have children with Uma Thurman? Yes. Yes. Did you watch Stranger Stranger Things? Yes, his daughter. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I knew that. I knew that. Oh, I'm not sure if you're a fan of this famous Disney alumni. I think you are. My Little Brave Girl by Hilary Duff. (gasps) I love Hilary Duff. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. She's great. That one's a children's book, but I'm not sure if you want to check that out regardless. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. (laughs) I think she she tried. That sounds like a threat. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I will, Austin. (laughs) (laughs) You'll never know. (laughs) Okay, this is, like, awful. But I saw this like title on NetGalley and it made me laugh so hard because it was just so like weird and like, I don't know, but it was called like how to kill your best friend. And I was like, <laughs> should I screenshot this and send this to Austin and be like, book club pick? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Like, that's not a good title. No one wants to think about that. That's awful. That would be like, a good episode if like we reviewed it and only one of us talks about it and be like, yeah, the book was too good. <laughs> God. It was too informative. 
Oh, if one of us goes missing, everyone knows why, I guess. <laughs> I just saw another interesting one, but I, I lost it. Were you too focused on the how to kill your best friend one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one kind of, that one threw Scary. me off. <laughs> I know, I was like, would this be like morbidly funny? And I was like, no, it's just creepy. So I didn't send it. <laughs> There's a new one by John Green coming out. I'm not Is sure that? if you're into him or not. I fell off the wagon. I, I still like him as a person, but like after I would say maybe just after the movie adaptations, I was really disappointed. And like he thought Oh yeah, because were... you weren't a fan of A Fault in Our Stars, right? Oh no. Which does that make me a terrible person? I mean Not like, at all. <laughs> I feel really bad about that, but I just don't like the actors in that anyway. So I think I told this story, but like when we went to see it, like some line was delivered and like Henry and I looked at each other and we like kind of started laughing like awful awful people it wasn't at like a death part or like any diagnosis part just to be clear it was like they were like trying to be like flirty or something and we were just like what is this like was it the part where they kissed in the end frank house that seems inappropriate too i don't know but um no i don't know what part it was i forget i'd have to ask him i don't think he'd remember either at this point it was years ago but I loved that book. Like, I loved it so much. I remember, like, staying up until, like, 2 in the morning on a school night in high school finishing it. And I, like, cried. Uh, I really liked it. So I was disappointed by the movie. And I I read um, his last one, Turtles All the Way Down, which I think came out in 2019, I want to say. And it was okay. Um, But, like, I... That's an interesting title. Yeah. Well, it relates back to, like, Indigenous folklore. So I don't know, like, how I... How... Like, I don't know if it's okay for him to use that. I don't know if there's any, like, blurred lines around that. But, um, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't great. But I was going to say, I'm surprised there was no Stephen King or J.K. Rowling books releasing this year. But I just found Stephen King does have a book coming out this year. How many books has he written? A lot. Like a million. (laughs) I don't know why I said that on the spot like you would know like you have it like a little tally like like how many days have we been in prison like how many days has Stephen King released Stephen King tally (laughs) so this one it's called later prolific author Stephen King mixes the trappings of a classic crime novel with his trademark horror touches in later all Jamie Conklin wants is to lead a normal life but the young boy's special abilities make him an asset to NYPD detective Trying to stop a killer who is threatening to cause mayhem even after their death. Hmm. Well, it sounds pretty spooky. <laughs> I love it. Oh, there's nobody at home can see this, but this one's called Every Value Break by Peter Swanson. Can you see the. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It looks like the exact same cover as the guest list, is it not? <laughs> the book photographer went to one location and he sold the picture to both <laughs> authors. He was like, don't worry, no one will tell. Like, it's like. When you like copy your friend's homework and they're like, no, no, it looks completely different. Like everyone in the book department was like, yeah, yeah, you can't even tell. There's no way two Canadians on a podcast will ever notice that. (laughs) (laughs) We're on to you, photographer of the guest list and whatever that last book I named was. Every Every value value break. break. (laughs) That sounds like every step you take. Every value break. (laughs) Every book you rate. <laughs> Every podcast you record, I'll be watching you. <laughs> this one even has to do with a wedding party or a wedding oh. ceremony. Okay. It looks like it takes place on an island. It says, 
on her bat. Oh no, it's before her wedding, so not technically the same. Oh. On her bachelorette, bachelor, bachelorette weekend, <laughs> Abigail sleeps with a sexy mystery man and quickly comes to regret it when he shows up on her honeymoon. Oh my god! Also, it's before and after the wedding, but not the actual wedding. Ooh. A loophole. <laughs> also, sorry, but just for a second, like, no one actually like sleeps with someone else like on a bachelorette weekend. What? Yeah, all your bachelorette friends would be there. <laughs> what? And like, why would you? Okay, whatever. Sorry, I know this is <laughs> fiction. It's just not realistic. I feel personally. Fearing for, her, fearing for her new marriage, Abigail tries to keep the man's presence a secret, but she quickly realizes he's more, far more dangerous than she ever imagined. Oh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> I don't know. Some thrillers set me too on edge, you know? I just... <laughs> we should do a, or a book review, book club of that one, like the one that's not the guest list. <laughs> I mean, I also feel like just while you were talking about this, like, I think this is grounds for the guest list author, Lucy Foley, to sue because this is startlingly (laughs) similar, (laughs) not to bring legalities into it, but. (laughs) I'm just going through, ooh, a new Stephanie, you like Stephanie Perkins, right? Yes, and I know what one you're (laughs) talking about, but you say it, you say it. The woods are always watching. I'm so excited. It was supposed to come out last year. It got delayed. And I think it was because of COVID. But um, I think this is more in the vein of her other novel, There's Someone Inside Your House, which was supposed to be like a YA splasher. Um, So it's like more horror because she really likes romance, but she also kind of delves into that. So I'm really excited to see this one because I like that one seems interesting. I might check that one out. Yeah. Like, well, if you want to borrow, there's someone inside your house. Like, I have that one, and it's good. Um, yeah. I live in a small place, and I'm already scared of people living in my closet or something. So maybe that's not such a good idea. Oh, my God. No, it's it's good. <laughs> okay, I think that's all the the big, big ones I see releasing this year. Do you have any other ones you want to bring up? There's, like, two more that I wanted to talk about quickly. Um, go for it just because you know um but there's one called this close to okay which i have seen like all over bookstagram and goodreads and i've heard really good things and it's by lisa cross smith um we love a good hyphenated last name on this podcast because <laughs> <laughs> i have one sorry out of context that's weird <laughs> um but yeah it's you just in general we both just like the concept of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah good times um who is it talking to someone the other day was like what happens like if you get married like are you gonna hyphenate like three names and I was like no (laughs) that just seems like take it take out your first name (laughs) (laughs) well I have a friend who this is again another tangent sorry everyone um but I have a friend who has a hyphenated last name and she just got married to her husband who has a hyphenated last name as well I was gonna ask what happens in that situation (laughs) I don't know. They both kept their own last names. And then I was like, if they have children, I'm going to be interested to see which last names they choose because there has to be a limit. You can't have four last names. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe one kid will have like two names, like one from each. And then the other kid will have the other two. I I don't know. Oh yeah. Like a little trade back and forth. You know, it's a, it's a tough call. Um, anyway, back to this summary from this close to okay. Um, On a rainy October night in Kentucky, 
Uh, recently divorced therapist Tally Clark is on her way home. Tally Clark, my apologies, is on her way home from work when she spots a man precariously standing on the side of a bridge. Without a second thought, Tally pulls over and jumps out of the car into the pouring rain. She convinces the man to join her for a cup of coffee, and he eventually agrees to come back to her house, where she, where he finally shares his name, Emmett. Over the course of the emotionally charged weekend that follows, Tally makes it her mission to provide a safe space for Emmett though she hesitates to confess that this is also her day job. But what she doesn't realize is that he's not the only one who needs healing, and she's not the only one with secrets. Alternating between Tali and Emmett's perspectives as they inch closer to the truth of what brought Emmett to the bridge's edge, as well as the hard truths Tali has been grappling with in her own life, This Close to Okay is a vibrant, powerful story of two strangers brought together by wild chance at the moment they needed each other most. So obviously, trigger warning, um, just for like suicide and suicidal ideation, probably. Um, and who knows what else? I have, I don't know that much about the book, but uh, I've been hearing really good things from like bookstagrams that I love um, who are reviewing it. And like they said, it was really powerful. So I'm excited to hear about that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. And the last one that I wanted to talk about, speaking of like cozy mysteries, um, this one is called Arsenic and Adobo, and it's by Mia P. Menensala. And so it's, uh, I feel like there's a whole genre of this that we need to talk about, but it's like culinary cozy mysteries. (laughs) It's a thing. You know, like the famous one, like the chocolate chip cookie murder. I think that's by Joanna Fluke. I haven't read that series. I've never heard of that before. It's everywhere. It's it's like one of the most checked out books in like our public library, I think. Um, I, I don't know if this is right, but it reminds me of that Shakespeare play Titus Andronicus where at the end he cooks his, he kills his enemy's oh. sons and bakes them into a pie. <laughs> okay. I don't think cozy cannibalism mysteries are a thing yet, but if you want to write that, I respect it. Um, yeah, but cozy culinary mysteries, it's a thing. There's a whole bunch of series out there. And like at first I was pretty skeptical, but honestly, it's a nice like palate cleanser if you're like me and you're a big like true crime thriller, like consumer of products. Like it can get kind of scary, especially if you're walking home like at night. So sometimes just having a little break of like a casual murder, if there is such a thing. Sorry, don't quote me on so, that. So just to be clear, nobody's getting killed and cooked into pies, right? Not that we know of yet. <laughs> Let me read you this summary. Okay. Maybe that's in the how to kill your best friend or <laughs> this podcast is getting really murdery. Um, the first book in a new culinary cozy mystery, uh, full of sharp humor and delectable dishes. One that might just be killer. Uh, but that like, I'm sure like a, a per- that sounds like a person pie to me. I gotta say. <laughs> okay. When Lila Macapagal moves back home to recover from a horrible breakup, her life seems to be following all the typical rom-com tropes. She's tasked with saving her Tita Rosie's failing restaurant, and she has to deal with a group of of matchmaking aunties who shower her with love and judgment. But when a notoriously nasty food critic, who happens to be her ex-boyfriend, drops dead moments after a confrontation with her Lila, oh, with Lila, her life quickly swerves from a Nora Ephron romp to an Agatha Christie case. Love it. With the cops treating her like she's the one and only suspect and the shady landlord looking to finally kick the Macapagal family out and resell the storefront, Leela's left with no choice but to conduct her own investigation. Go off, Leela. 
I hope it's Leela and not Lila. Don't quote me on the pronunciation. You know what they should do at the end of that book? They should kill the Leela or crack him into a pie. Oh my god. <laughs> Everything comes back to the pie. I gotta read Titus Andronicus again. <laughs> Armed with the nosy auntie network, her barista best bud, and her trusted dash hund, Longancia, I don't know, Leela takes on this tasty twisted case and Sue flunks, oh my gosh, Austin, you're going to love this last one. Leela takes on this tasty twisted case and soon finds her own neck on the chopping block. Uh oh. Person pie is, alert. Is under the, under the chopping block is an empty pie crust? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's my list. Those are my ones that I'm looking forward to. <laughs> so I got everybody has to go read Titus Andronicus now so they get what I'm talking about. <laughs> or at least look up the bloodiest play. Uh-huh. <laughs> and report back to us. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Did it We're make you lose thirty percent of our followers after this episode? <laughs> God. I started with that play and it scarred me. <laughs> The reviews come in, the hate reviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's all for me, Austin. This was a fun yeah, That's topic. all I had to say, too. Once again, you're 10 times more knowledgeable about the topic for this week, because I don't keep up with current releases. Doubtful. You brought up some really good points, person pies and all. <laughs> I find it's a lot harder to keep up with recent releases of books compared to, like, movies, because there's so many compared to just, like, high-profile pro- high movies releasing, and... Yeah, I was just calculating in my head. I was like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel like I see so many book ones. And because I'm not, like, there's there's hardly any movies being released. Well, there are, but, like, not to the usual level. I'm, like, paying attention to that less than I normally would. So here we are, 2021. <laughs> when this all started, it was just supposed to be a long March break last March. Yeah. Don't worry, we'll be out of this in two weeks after everything's shut down. <laughs> Oh my god. I hope we're out of this by next year. I hope we're like 2022 March. We're like not in this boat. I was going to say we're almost coming up on a year of the podcast, but then I remembered that after we recorded our first one, it took me like four months to edit and release it. So. You did not. You were really fast. You're not giving yourself enough credit. <laughs> we made it. We're here. We're living. We we're only going up from here. <laughs> Break out the Shania Twain. This is a Canadian podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Austin, thank you for recording with me. Everyone listening, I hope you're having a great week. Um, I hope no one gets killed and cooked into a pie. (laughs) Ending on a bright note on brand. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, I hope you're having a great weekend. Um, I hope you're doing something for you. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Yep. See you.